Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashen. Thank you for tuning in today. Today I'll be talking with Janelle Doughton, Evan Carmen, and Gracie Cohen, members of our Center for Senior Services staff here at B'nai B'rith International. They've just returned from San Juan, Puerto Rico, where they conducted our annual B'nai B'rith Managers and Service Coordinators training meeting. The meeting is geared toward the needs of on-site building staff, focusing on the issues that affect the day-to-day activities of staff and residents in our affordable housing buildings. The meeting began with a day of service in conjunction with some of the charities with which Benebrith Disaster Relief worked with in Puerto Rico, including Chef Jose Andres's charity, the World Central Kitchen. After the day of service, participants in the meeting spent a few days learning about relevant topics like emergency preparedness, federal housing policy, aging in place, and smart financial management from a series of panels. Presenters included staff from the Benebrith Center for Senior Services, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, experts in affordable senior housing, and professionals from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Welcome to each of you. So the first question would be, why did you hold this particular meeting in Puerto Rico? Well, there's there's a few reasons. Um, to begin with, we actually, are, are d- the Benebrith Disaster Relief Fund staffer had contacted me. This was in early 2018. We had already been talking about um, some of the partners uh, of the disaster relief that were working on the ground in Puerto Rico. And did we know of any uh, senior housing facilities that might need some help uh, with our disaster relief fund? Now, it's a good bit of money, but it's not enough to help with the physical um, infrastructure of a building potentially that was damaged in the hurricane, but something for the residents. Uh, we did go through HUD. They were very supportive. Um, the HUD Jacksonville office oversees the Caribbean um, Section 202 buildings. So that would be Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So we did reach out to HUD staff that we had contacts with. Um, but it turned out really um, there wasn't much that they needed in that respect. They were still just trying to get back online. Um, and we wouldn't have had that kind of money to help them. But it started the seed of, wow, what can we do to help Puerto Rico? We're there doing disaster relief. But we have meetings. Uh, This is an annual training meeting that we do take throughout the United States. Well, Puerto Rico is part of the U.S. So I mentioned it to the HUD staff in Jacksonville, and they were supportive. so we had we put it on the back burner. We realized 2018 it wasn't going to happen, um, but maybe we could make this happen in 2019. So the reason we would take it there is we could learn from providers of the Section 202. We would bring them in, and um, they could help us formulate our emergency preparedness plans for our buildings, dealing with when an entire community is devastated. We did this after Katrina. We waited a couple of years to get down to New Orleans. Um, we took tours of some 202 facilities. Benebrith does not sponsor a building in, in New Orleans, but we learned from them too. Some of the things that you wouldn't think about how you have to track your residents um, after they've been evacuated. We also thought with Maria, they probably weren't evacuated. So it adds another dimension to our emergency preparedness, what we can learn from them. So that's really where it started. So you had the idea, you had the concept, but then you had to put together a program. 
So how did you choose the participants on these panels and, and programs? How did you decide we want this expert, we want that expert? How, how does that work? Well, we had done this in Florida for our annual conference in 2017. It was after there had been a series of hurricanes. This is actually where I first approached HUD from the Jacksonville office about maybe um, potentially taking something to Puerto Rico. Um, so you get someone from the Red Cross. They always provide excellent speakers, and they can really cater, and seniors is one of the things they really pay attention to. So um, I did contact the Red Cross in Puerto Rico, and we had this excellent speaker that they gave us. Um, she's a retired university professor and also a community disaster volunteer. She actually was at, in Harvey in uh, Houston, so it wasn't just specifically to Puerto Rico. Um, then we try to get someone from the community. This case, we went with someone um, who was the facilities manager of one of the largest hospital groups in Puerto Rico to talk about the healthcare system um, and what what you can expect. These are some things that you want to have. Do we evacuate our residents or do we keep them staying in place? Uh, so. Uh, we were very lucky that um, HUD was so supportive. They sent their um, national disaster coordinator to be part of that panel. But we also focused on other things, another, uh, building emergencies as well. Um, one of the great things is because um, there has been no training for Section 202 on-site staff since pre-Maria, um, HUD asked us to invite uh, providers from local buildings in Puerto Rico. We had eight people and um, they were very appreciative. And we learned from them too. They really shared their experiences. So you, you wanted to learn from others' experiences. Um, what did you learn, before we get into the, the housing part, what did you learn about, because you were talking to, to people who had experienced uh, this this terrible uh, hurricane. Um, what did what did they tell you? Did you get a better insight into what it is uh, to be uh, at ground zero in a in a natural disaster like that? Well, certainly. I mean, it was extreme. I think we learned a lot after Katrina too. That was pretty extreme, but it was extreme because hearing from people talking about eight months without electricity. How do you deal with that? And you throw in that you're got an aging population. Um, we people talked about having no running water for months. So luckily, most, most 202s nowadays will have generators. So that is helpful. But really, talking about trauma, there was, um, it actually was helpful with when you're talking about any kind of um, emergencies in your building or community, that even trauma, um, if there's a shooting in your building, it does happen. Not in our buildings, but it does happen. Um, any kind of trauma, something as traumatic as your building or your community being destroyed helps in formulating emergency planning because trauma, uh, whether it's grief counseling, whatever kind of counseling, that, that is accounted for. So you, you were in San Juan, uh, but then you went out, right? You went out into the into the field what did you see before again before we get into the specifics about uh, our mission our particular mission what did you see how many months after the hurricane were you there 
This was um, not quite two years. So the hurricane was the end of summer of 2017. 2017. So, so what did you see? I mean, did you the devastation is still evident? It's it's interesting flying in because I've been to Puerto Rico quite a few times. Um, I know what it looks like, but having flown into New Orleans a year after Katrina, I knew blue tarps everywhere. So there's certain neighborhoods that are near the coast where the hurricane came in still have blue tarps over the homes. Um, then you'll see other neighborhoods getting closer to San Juan that look pretty good. Um, you go other parts, uh, you can tell houses have been painted, they've been restored, and you'll have a house next door that's still in disrepair. So, I mean, it's really, they still need help. Evan, let's dig down a little bit further. Uh, this is a big investment in, in housing, in, in Section 202 housing. Um, what did you find from HUD that, was, that stood out in terms of wanting to work together with us on this? Sure. I would say, um, to me, one of the best parts of the conference was the investment that you know, HUD made in the conference. You know, a lot of times we can get somebody from HUD to come to the conference, talk for about an hour, two hours. But this time, I think what made it so unique and so so special is HUD came for all two days of the conference. So HUD not only presented at the conference, but they were also participants in the conference. From, you know, a learning point of view, they also sat in on our sessions. So certainly that's what I think really made this conference extra special. So the opportunity for our folks in the B'nai B'rith community to hear directly from HUD, whether that's on a new, you know, a rule that might be coming out soon, how they intend on, you know, on how they intend on implementing it. Um, talking about disasters, how one can best um, prepare themselves. For example, um, B'nai B'rith was able to get the National Disaster Coordinator from HUD to come to the conference and talk. Also, sitting in on the conferences, being able to hear HUD's perspective when somebody else is, you know, presenting. That's certainly a very unique experience and certainly, I think, a very um, a, a valuable experience for the people in our, uh, you know, community. Is there a kind of a case study that, that would uh, or that we would be included in, in terms of uh, efforts that have been made uh, to go down and, and to um, uh, both to learn and also to help out? Well, I certainly think that HUD takes what they've learned about our particular community. I certainly, you know, one of the things that, that um, the people who work in the buildings talked about is are, are the challenges they face, the unique, the unique circumstances, in particular, how people relate to seniors, what are the day-to-day, -day, you know, challenges of how one works with seniors. So I definitely think HUD has that unique perspective of getting the opportunity to talk to the people who work in the buildings. So do I, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if there's a formal case study involved, but I certainly think that they bring back their experiences talking to the people in our buildings and hopefully that'll give them a better, you know, a better chance to go back to their office and, um, really, and really govern the 202 program. So uh, there's a couple of things I would mention. The access that our on-site staff had for, with HUD was we, we've never had a meeting like this, that they participated in every session, um, even if they weren't presenting or speaking. Um, and in, one of the interesting things was uh, when we had the um, presentation from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, 
and it was about financial exploitation of residents, of seniors, but our residents. Um, you could see the way the staff of our buildings was so concerned about how do we prevent this happening. It's devastating to our residents. The access that our staff had to HUD, but that HUD had to the housing providers. You can't replicate that. This was a really special meeting because of that. So in giving back to the community, Gracie, tell us about this day of service. Sure. I'd actually like to backtrack, Dan. Um, You had asked about the status of Puerto Rico and its current climate. Um, Well, on our hour and a half bus ride to the farm, what I had deemed lush green mountains, um, commenting to Janelle, she, over her years of of visiting the island, had said, no, in fact, there are a lot of dead trees around. Um, So I think it's a matter of perspective um, for the for its current environment as well, Um, considering I've never visited the island. So the actual day of service was a great morning. Um, Everybody could contribute, um, no matter their age or skill level. Service coordinators and property managers were packing radishes and lettuce um, in one part of the farm, while in another we were digging and weeding and planting eggplant seeds um, for, for for the community of Puerto Rico. So overall it was very labor intensive, but what I find most valuable was that Considering it's such a small staff of four to five people um, who rely on groups of volunteers, the work that we had done in the morning shift had saved two to three days of labor um, for for the staff of the farm. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly, first of all, uh, we were looking for partners. Um, We wanted a day of service, but we wanted it something meaningful. We didn't want busy work. We actually wanted to go do something that accomplish something that was a benefit to Puerto Rico and to the the people of Puerto Rico. And um, so looking at the different partners uh, we had on the ground there, most of them, we really couldn't do what they were doing. It was um, building houses. And if anyone's ever built a house, I know we haven't, um, you need skilled labor. So we really needed to find something that all skill levels, which we were bringing and age, age range um, could do. How many people are we talking about? We had 33 people total, including us staff. And so um, that's where... Uh, from all over the United States. Yeah, from all over the United States. Um, so that's where we had to find something that we could all do. And um, one of my colleagues happened to find um, this uh, World Central Kitchen is actually based here in Washington, D.C. So it kind of made sense. Um, they support farms. So they, one of the things that came out of, and everybody knows it, but it really became stark in Puerto Rico after the hurricane, is that they don't produce most of their produce there. They can. They should. It's not easy. Farms... Um, you know, the margin of, of income is not that great. Uh, your biggest expense is labor. So the World Central Kitchen has partnered with um, farms. And actually some new farms have, have come up. And um, they're trying to create a 12-month growing season. And with labor being the most expensive part of these farms, 
the World Central Kitchen, through their nonprofit status, has um, been able to provide volunteers. So you tell them, you know, in two months, we're going to have 33 people there. Um, they find farms that uh, need work, need labor. And so um, they told us where we were going, Abanito, Puerto Rico. It's about an hour and a half um, up in the mountains of Puerto Rico from San Juan. We got up at 630. Well, no, we left at 630 in the morning. We got up much earlier and um, windy mountain roads got there um, to do our service. Yeah, did um, did the, the folks that you worked with, um, did they talk about the, the hurricane? Not really. What we talked about is um, where everybody was from. Uh, one of the guys that we worked with, um, he's, he lived in New Jersey for a while. And we talked about that, that actually my uncle had a farm in New Jersey. And so we talked about farming. This is really his passion. Um, so it, it was, it's interesting. Anytime you talk to people in Puerto Rico, some want to share what happened. And others, it it's trauma they don't want to re-experience but one person told us that their cab driver told them we're still happy here you know uh we're not depressed we're happy people should come visit because we need the business and i think that's part of why we went there too is that we could it may be a small part of um the economic recovery of puerto rico but we figured we had business too that we could take there and um that's somebody's job at the hotel or these restaurants. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, as soon as we got to the farm and we got off the buses, um, they told us first thing, we're gonna have you spread out mulch on already these planted plant beds. And then we're gonna divide you all up. Some of you will be planting, some of you are gonna chop up growth, um, different things. So we had to move mulch to these plant beds. And at first, we everybody was so enthusiastic. We were basically knocking each other around. So um, we had to come up with a system. We had wheelbarrows. People had buckets or shovels. I was afraid we were going to injure ourselves. So it was like, okay, wait for your wheelbarrow. You're on this side. You're on this side. And you're on this side. So we kind of started to organize ourselves. And then it got a little easier when they broke us off into groups. Um, my group, I think Gracie was with me and Evan showed up at some point. Uh, we planted eggplant seedlings and um, then we had to mulch it. There's a whole process and it's a little backbreaking, but um, I never heard anybody complain. As a matter of fact, they served us lunch at the end and people were like, this is the best food. It was vegan, but it was, it was delicious. And um, not a single person complained. Everybody talked about how, what their experience was and how much fun it was and how they felt like it was meaningful, especially when we heard that we, we saved this one farmhand like a couple of days worth of work. Well, you know, we, we take a lot for granted. I mean, those of us who just go into the supermarket and, and take uh, radishes and lettuce off the, you know, out of the, out of the case, uh, and we don't think about uh, the, the intensive labor that, that goes into it. So I'm sure that that was a great learning experience for, for all of you. And I'm sure that um, uh, your work was deeply appreciated, as you said, in terms of, of helping that particular individual um, get those vegetables uh, ready to go to, to market. So um, it must have been a really a terrific experience. But stepping back now into 
the purpose of the meeting, and on this perhaps we can conclude, uh, lessons to be drawn uh, from this experience for your managers, for the people that you brought, uh, what did you take away that you can bring back uh, to our properties here, um, and what do you think you, you left behind in terms of what, what we offered uh, in terms of our own expertise to the others uh, who uh, participated in that meeting, not only the HUD people, but others as well. I think that the theme of the conference was probably emergency preparedness. So what I certainly hope that the people in our you know, community took away was, you know, whether it's you know earthquake, a hurricane, a blizzard, God forbid an intruder comes into the building. How can we prepare ourselves for when the event occurs and how can we best deal with the people who live in the building afterwards? For example, um, the people who live in the building, if there's a traumatic event that occurs, what type of assistance, what type of um, help are they going to need afterwards to cope? I certainly hope that um, also one of the thing, one of the topics that we addressed was the government shutdown. Certainly, during the government, during the shutdown, a lot of our buildings, you know, information that we were getting from, you know, HUD. Well, they certainly, I think, did their best. We were certainly, uh, we definitely could have used some more in- information. Will, um, will, will the money that um, the buildings receive from the federal federal government will that be on time? You know, certainly, I think sometimes it can create a little. Um, anxiety in the building for the people who, who live in the building. And certainly we don't want to create anxiety for low, for low-income seniors. I certainly think what we hope that we left, you know, behind, I certainly hope, I, I certainly hope that we, um, you know, that we made a, a difference on the farm. And I certainly hope that we, uh, you know, contributed, contributed a little bit economically. Do you think you'll incorporate the Community Day of Service into, into future meetings? As a matter of fact, we talked about that. Um, yes, we want to. Um, we think that that was, it wasn't just a bonding experience. This was something meaningful. And people that get into this senior housing as on-site staff, these are giving people. They don't do it for a job. This is, they want to help people. So it really made the meeting special, and we realized there'll be more opportunities. And it's something we can definitely do. And I think that's the great thing about being part of Benny Brith. We're not just a senior housing provider. We are... Benebrith International with this whole community service part of us and it brings something extra and it's very special. What a great way to wrap up this discussion. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks everybody for listening to our podcast today. Please visit our website, benebrith.org, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. For my guests, Janelle Doughton, Evan Carmen, and Gracie Cohen, I'm Dan Mariashen. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. Mm-hmm.